The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for small residential real estate investing and how to build wealth therewith. We're talking today. I know that was a big word, wasn't it? I, we're talking today about appealing your property taxes, a big, big topic at this time of the year, because uh, as you may have noticed, not only are property taxes headed up, but your personal property taxes, either on your home or your rental properties, um, let's just say the assessment may be a bit out of whack with current uh, values on on properties, and there's absolutely no reason that you need to continue to pay a higher tax bill than what you actually owe your county. My guest today is Chris Finney, an attorney with Finney, Stagnaro, Saba, and Patterson. Chris has argued hundreds of property tax cases here in the greater Cincinnati area. And we're going to talk today with Chris about some of the um, things that you need to know about going in for a property tax hearing wherever, from wherever you are listening to us, but of course with a focus here in the greater Cincinnati area. Chris, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Yeah, it's an honor to be with you. Uh, <laughs> how are you, Chris? There's a little bit of, it sounds like there's a little bit of interference on your line. Uh-oh, uh, let me see if I can just pick up here. Hold on. Okay. But uh, it's great talking to you. Hold on. You too. Is that any better? <laughs> that is actually much better. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate okay. that. Um, now, Chris, you've made you've made sort of a little side career out of going out to the powers that be and on behalf of other folks um, uh, objecting to to tax valuations because that's that's really uh, everywhere in the country the basis of how we are charged for property taxes um just some just some sort of general about the market type of questions for you uh does it does it appear to you from what you're seeing and hearing that property taxes are actually going up across the country as house prices are going down yeah what's happening is and i can tell you particularly in ohio um that most tax levies generate a fixed amount of money. Uh, you know, government has a need for X dollars, uh, $100 million a year, $500 million a year, whatever it might be. And they spread that out among all of the property owners, theoretically, in proportion to their relative values. 
So as the total value of all properties declines, so there's just less tax base to tax, the rate goes up to generate that same amount of money. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that exact formulation. That's under Ohio law, and I believe it works the same way in Kentucky right across the river. And I would assume it works the same way across the country. So the, the, the local governments, which are the primary recipients of property tax revenue, the local governments want to be funded uh, at the same level, uh, dollar level. And they do that by uh, spreading it out among the properties. But as the property values drop, that means the rate has to rise. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing we're seeing some... Some places, I mean, it's 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 bad here in our area. It's worse in other areas where, because of declining population and a lot of um, abandoned properties on the market that no one's paying the taxes. They're they're due, but they're not being paid. Where things are getting so out of whack that property taxes are are getting to the point where they're a third or half of someone's mortgage payment. You know, I I, I was just up in Detroit. Uh, talking to some investors, and uh, they were showing me a property that's about a $35,000 property where the taxes are $300 a month. That's like half the rent that you would get from that property. That's right. That's the problem. Well, I was up in Dayton last night, and one of the uh, participants in my seminar described just that, what he called the death spiral. So you have, you know, this, you can say voracious or just, you know, your standard local government that wants their revenue. They don't want to cut. And uh, you have people leaving the city. You have property values declining. You have businesses leaving. And there are few people, fewer people to pay the taxes. And there's, like I say, a smaller tax base to pay the same amount of revenue. Mathematically, that means that the rate, dollars per thousand of value, have to rise, and in some cases, dramatically. And then as this speaker last night pointed out, it's a spiral downward. So, uh, you know, they raise the taxes, and that forces more people to leave. That forces taxes to raise again, and it's a never-ending cycle that uh, is very, very bad for these declining cities. And I would assume Detroit's right in the middle of all of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, very, very true. And uh, it's 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 funny if um, if the interest rates on our, our loans were rising at the rate at which our taxes were rising, we'd all be up in arms. <laughs> you know, there'd be there'd be front page articles in the newspaper about how people were getting squeezed out of their houses. But uh, in a sense, property owners uh, are, are, are trapped. Uh, you pay the taxes or they take your property away. So they, you know, they, it, it's, it's a source of revenue that they know they're going to collect one way or another, either by collecting it from you or by auctioning off your property or by auctioning off a tax lien on your property. So it's uh, it, it's it's a problem for all property owners, but particularly investors who might own 20, 30, 40, 50 properties that uh, is is increasing. And until the market recovers, which God knows when that'll be, <laughs> you know, uh, or God forbid, the um, uh, counties and cities start cutting back on what they are spending it's going to be uh, it's going to be an ongoing problem which is what makes today's topic so important because w- to some extent we do not have to take this lying down there are processes everywhere i've never heard of a place where if your property was assessed at 170,000 cuz that was what it was worth in 2005 and now you couldn't sell it for a dime more than 120 that you couldn't go make that case to the to the assessor or the treasurer 
and and try and get the valuation lowered so therefore the tax bill was lowered now can can you describe just sort of in general terms what that process looks like and then we will uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk uh, in more specific about uh, what some of the uh, things you can do to go in armed might be right you're correct and just about every state that we've looked at um, first of all the first part of our conversation dealt with the tax rate how much how many dollars per thousand the assessor uh, is charging you in taxes the second piece of the equation is how much is your property worth or how much does the assessor say it's worth? So now we're going to switch gears and talk about that second half of the equation, the the valuation side. And on the valuation side of the equation, the the local assessor in Kentucky, it's called the property valuation administrator. In Pennsylvania, it's called the tax assessor. In Ohio, it's called the auditor. Uh, They place a value on your property. And it's somewhat arbitrary. They look at it and, you know, they do their best, but, you know, they have hundreds of thousands of parcels that they have to value. So they're going to get some wrong. And as we've seen in today's very dynamic market, when prices are changing, you know, at least in that case, downwardly fairly rapidly, it's hard for the tax assessor to keep up, but they, they place a value on your property. They may be right. And if they're right, you probably should pay it. And that's the number, but if they're wrong, which they are frequently, there are legal processes, which in most states are very friendly, meaning you can do it without an attorney, and it's relatively understandable. Uh, you can challenge that valuation and hopefully achieve a reduction in your valuation and therefore a reduction in your taxes uh, as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, during this break, invite listeners who might have questions about appealing your property taxes to give us a call at 772-9658 in the greater Cincinnati area, 877-772-9658 if you're listening to us online. And you can also send us an email by going to the website askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Chris Finney, who is an attorney who lives here in the Cincinnati area and has a lot of experience going to the what we call here in Ohio, uh, the auditor and saying, look, I know she paid 185 for it, but the fact is today she couldn't sell it for more than a dime, a dime more than 120. And so we need to get that valuation lowered and therefore the tax bill lowered. So, um, Chris, I think a, a, an obvious question. Oh, and let me let me give the numbers out again for anybody who might have a question. Because this is a show that applies both to homeowners and to our usual audience of property investors. Uh, here in the greater Cincinnati area, we're at 772-9658. If you're listening on the web outside of greater Cincinnati area, you can call us toll-free at 877-772-9658. Or you can go to askvina.com. And there's a uh, web response form there. They just fill in a question and hit the send button. Remember to tell us where you're writing from because uh, Chris will probably give you more general information if you're outside of Ohio or Kentucky and can probably give you more specific information if you are here in the state. Uh, so are, are, are you finding, I mean, because I know you've been doing this for years, are you finding that the the local taxing authorities are being more resistant to lowering valuations? Is it the same? Are they are they 
overloaded with people filing these appeals? Well, I think what happened when, um, uh, first, first of all, in southwest Ohio, a lot of our counties have um, a new valuation cycle that just started with the January 2012 tax bills. Um, so in that uh, new cycle, it seems that the auditors have, a, to a greater extent, caught up with the decline in the market. So they're reflecting lower values on that. For example, down in Florida, we've looked at a number of opportunities trying to help people lower their taxes, and the reality is most of the tax assessors in Florida are keeping up. They, they adjust their values annually, and so there's really not a lot of opportunity. There's still some, but less than in other states uh, in Florida uh, to get it uh, reduced. But what we found in uh, Ohio in 2009, right after the market really tanked, uh, is that the auditors had not kept up with the reduction in values, that they were looking at sales from 05, 06, and 07 to determine valuation when, in fact, those were the height of the market. And we were seeing a very rapid decline for about uh, 24, 36 months, and they just didn't keep up. So there was tremendous opportunities for property owners to achieve real dollar savings uh, every year if they would go in and challenge their valuation. With this new cycle, we're seeing some of the auditors catching up to some extent, but there's still a tremendously fertile ground out there for property owners to save money on their house, on their investment properties, on their factories and um, retail properties, uh, office properties and industrial. Uh, there is savings in every category. Uh, we had a huge savings last year up in uh, Montgomery County, which is Dayton Market, uh, on an apartment building, another one on a country club, uh, and uh, we won uh, almost every single family home case we did last year. So there's a tremendous opportunity and, and, and much of it's still out there to be had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, we just got a, a, an email from a listener up in the Detroit area just pointing out that uh, Wayne County, which is apparently where the Detroit metro area is, is so desperate to collect back taxes at this point that it is actually shorting payoffs on back taxes. So in other words, if you owe them $3,000, they'll take two in, in, in payoff. Yeah, what, we've heard, what we've heard in a lot of jurisdictions, including up in Michigan, I don't know if it's Detroit, but that they're taking years and years and years to decide these tax valuation reduction cases just to preserve that revenue as long as they can. Now, they have to pay it back when they make the decision. They might have to pay back three or four years of taxes. But they're so hungry for cash that they're putting off making decisions on these cases as long as they can just to keep the cash flowing and keep the uh, tax dollars in their coffers for their employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's uh, pretty pretty well unheard of that the that the tax folks will take less than the full payoff in full payoff because, of course, they are always in first position. If you have a mortgage on the property, it doesn't matter if you don't pay your taxes. The 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 the, uh, the lien for the back taxes supersedes the first mortgage. So, man, that is hungry for money. Yeah, I think you'd see that Detroit is ground zero for the uh, economic crisis in this country. They they were hit harder than virtually anyone over the last ten years, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure they are very very desperate and very hungry up there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, we mm-hmm. also just received an email. This is from Chrissy, who says. I'm in the Columbus area. Please don't say where. (laughs) She says, I bought my home new in 2004 for $378,000. Today, if I put it on the market, 
I'd be able to get maybe 250000 for it. I filed a protest and the auditor approved it. But then I got a letter saying that the local school district had objected to the reevaluation of my property <laughs> and that they were going to be granted an appeal on the new valuation. First of all, I've never heard of this, and I had no idea that the schools could object to my property valuation. But in the meantime, it's now been a year since I was approved for the reduction, but I'm still paying the same ridiculously high taxes. Will they be able to win this appeal, or is this just a stalling tactic? Any suggestions? That's a great question. Well, in Ohio, which is where we our practice is focused, we know a lot about it. So in Ohio... Um, First of all, the school districts get about 65% of your tax bill, so they've got a great interest in how much tax everybody pays because that's their that's their uh, that's their milk that they uh, uh, that they live off of. And uh, under Ohio law, the school districts are a party to every tax case if they want to be. So they can come in, they can oppose it, which they always do. They never support your reduction. And in some cases, they file a complaint to increase your valuation. Wow! And uh, because they get more revenue at least in the initial year in which they file the complaint if they uh, keep that up. Now, uh, what I think the, the emailer is telling you is that, the listener is telling you, is that she filed a complaint, and at least preliminarily, the uh, auditor's office agreed with her. They went to the Board of Revision hearing and maybe even won, and then the school district appealed that up to the Board of Tax Appeals. Uh, if that's what happened, first of all, she, your, the listener can short pay her taxes. She can pay the reduced amount until that case is resolved under Ohio law. She just needs to go to the treasurer's office, fill out a form, and she can pay the lower amount. Then there's a second issue, which is um, uh, you know, resolving that, that appeal of the school district. And, all, and in Ohio, the Board of Tax Appeals is running about three years behind uh, on its docket, so it's going to take a while, wow. and she's going to have to go up there and argue her case and argue it effectively. Um, but you know, for for most single-family homes, the issue is comparable sales. So you want to look at comparable sales in the neighborhood uh, as comparable as possible in terms of location, age of construction, uh, a close sale to the tax lien date, and then size, number of bedrooms and bathrooms, and so on. Um, but uh, if they use the comparable sales approach and she does her job, we generally find that you will prevail at the Board of Tax Appeals. Well, maybe they're just hoping she won't do that. <laughs> she won't bother to do that because, I mean, that is, if, uh, in a lot of these areas that have um, newer houses and a lot of them, the, the value of those properties, you know, in Ohio, a $300,000 property is a very move-up property. If you're if you're listening from California, you're saying, "Why are they bothering her? It's just a starter home." Uh-uh, that's a, that's a very nice that's property. Yeah, exactly. And well, I mean, let me say a few things on that. First of all, in in Kentucky, in Pennsylvania, uh, and in Florida, the initial challenge to real estate valuation is fairly simple, uh, where you just walk in and talk to the assessor's office and try to reason with them to get your taxes reduced. In Ohio, it's a formal judicial proceeding. Now, it's still possible for an individual to do it without an attorney, but it, it's perceived by the courts to be a judicial proceeding. So in Ohio, when you enter that system, if the school board's going to oppose you, you know, you are, it's like filing a lawsuit. and You've got to follow it through to the end uh, with all of those judicial proceedings. If the school board wants to be difficult about that, you know, it can make it cumbersome for you as well. But normally it's worth seeing through to the end. In that case, 
just to give you an example, I think that homeowner was looking at, I think she said eighty or a hundred thousand dollars of valuation reduction for her property. Mm-hmm. Uh, in most jurisdictions in Ohio, that would result in about two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars a year of tax savings, uh, and that'll last years. So it's you know it's probably worth it to see it through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I it, you know Christy, I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, I, I keep hearing stories about some of these newer communities where they built very expensive schools with very high appetites for uh, funding for their programs uh, where this is, this is not that uncommon. And, you know, maybe they're hoping to wear you out or something. Cause if they had everybody, if you're in a, if you're in a neighborhood, like the, the, the one that comes to mind here in our area is Westchester where many, many, many houses were in that price range, whole subdivisions were in that price range, and everybody went in and appealed their taxes and got them lowered by really, she's talking about almost a third. That's obviously going to hurt the schools there pretty bad. So, well, um, in reality, it, again, it doesn't, though. Everybody thinks it does. It, it hurts them in the first year when you get your taxes. The next year, they recalculate the same amount of taxes on a new tax base, so that's when the rate goes up. So, <laughs> The really sad part is the guy who doesn't appeal his taxes ends up paying a disproportionately high amount, and the guy who did pay his taxes pays less. But they raise the rate, and the school district really doesn't hurt that badly when uh, when everybody files an appeal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, listeners, if you have a question for Chris Finney about reducing your property taxes, Seven seven two nine six five eight is the number here in the greater Cincinnati area. Eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. If you'd like to call us from outside the area, or go to askvina.com, fill in the response form, and we'll get your question by email. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host Vina Jones Cox. We're talking today with Chris Finney, who is an attorney here in the greater Cincinnati area, and. Apparently, Chris, you have experience in tax liens, just all or tax uh, reductions all over the place, not not just in the Cincinnati area. Yeah, we we focus in Ohio, and we do a lot of Kentucky. But this year, we've done some Indiana, some Pennsylvania, some Florida. So we're getting familiar with the procedures in other states. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, a booming business, given both the fact that people are watching their budget, budget tax rates are going up, and you know, uh, the, uh, last year was the year they mailed us all our new tax valuations here in Hamilton County, and I opened up some of those envelopes and said, "You want to buy it for that? I'll sell it tomorrow." <laughs> They're just so far away from the reality of the values uh, today. Um, now, we, we just got a, a question in via email from Shannon, who is here in the greater Cincinnati area, and his question is, if I can get back to it here, um, I was recently told that I have to be an attorney to submit a complaint to the Board of Revisions for two of my clients. What I am is a licensed agent in Ohio. I looked for this language online but was unsuccessful. Is this, in fact, the law? Um, yes and no. Um, a property owner, let's say of a corporation, so you're a corporation, you own, you, you own a corporation, that co- corporation owns property. It used to be the law in Ohio that an officer of the corporation could not file the complaint for the corporation unless he was an attorney. That is no longer the case in Ohio. Today, you can file and mostly prosecute a complaint as a non-attorney. However, you have to be the corporate officer. 
if you're uh, a realtor, uh, if you're an accountant, uh, if you're some other financial professional, you cannot appear in that proceeding in Ohio for a, a property owner, a corporate property owner, you, or really for any property owner, because again, it's, it's, it's deemed to be a court and um, only attorneys can appear for someone else in court. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're just a homeowner, you can walk in and, well, you don't just walk in, there's a there's a filing process, but you, you can go and appear on your own behalf, but you can't, unless you're an attorney, you can't appear on somebody else's behalf. And it sounds like if you own all your stuff in LLCs, you can't appear on behalf you, of the corporation you anymore. Appear, you can represent yourself. Uh, if you're a corporate officer, you can represent your corporation if you're a corporate officer. But other than that, you cannot represent someone else in court if you're not an attorney. And and in Ohio, the border revision process is deemed to be a court proceeding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, l- let, let's talk about that. Uh, generally, uh, how is an attorney going to be paid if I if I'm if I'm if I'm if I don't want to represent myself or it's a trust situation or something like that. What does an attorney get paid and how do they get paid? Is it, am I going to write a check up front? Or yeah, is it- what our firm does, what our firm does is we try to work, do as much of this work on a contingent fee basis as possible. That reduces the risk for the uh, property owner and um, makes him feel more comfortable proceeding with the case, you know, knowing he's not going to be out several thousand dollars just to file it and then get no reduction. Um, in some cases, if the case is too small or, you know, the client doesn't want to go that way, we'll work on a straight hourly basis. Uh, sometimes we'll work out a flat fee with the client. Um, so it just depends. And then the other piece of that, Vina, is really the, the bigger question, because the attorney's fees can be significant. Um, and there is some um, uh, art to what we do in that proceeding. But the question a lot of people have is, do I need an appraiser? Or who's going to put together the valuation evidence so that not just that I can present the case, but so I win the case. And uh, somebody's got to pay that appraiser. So um, uh, that's that's another piece of the economic equation. Whoa, did he just drop out or am I imagining things? Well, here, can you hear me? Ah, okay. Now now we can hear you. We got as far as we got as far as the appraiser is is a big piece of the equation and who is going to pay for that. Right. And so, you know, you have to budget that in, but we can work on fee relationships with clients where, um, you know, we'll work on an hourly basis or a contingency basis, but the uh, appraiser has to be taken care of as well. And, and, you know, people can even do the case themselves, but the thing they need to be careful of is making sure they make a professional presentation of that valuation question. It's not as easy as a lot of people think, and we, we rely heavily on uh, appraisers and uh, brokers to uh prepare and present those values Mm -hmm. so so you feel like uh the and when you say when you say make a better case of course what we're talking about here is the case that my property is actually only worth x minus whatever not not the x that that you the tax folks have it have it valued at um when you say make a more professional case you mean they are rocking in with the right comps um, well, first of all, some people don't even bring comps. They might look at the auditor's valuation of other people's properties. They might want to argue the, the, the valuation history of their own property. If it's a multifamily or a, 
uh, other income producing property, you might look at the income approach. Um, but right, what people do, for, let me just give you an example. On a single family home, the best approach is a comparable sales approach. But a lot of people, because of the state of the market today, will bring in comps that are uh, bank sales, REO sales, foreclosure sales, uh, and short sales. And most boards of revision will not consider those sales. Um, I did about uh, 15 cases, 20 cases last year, residential in the um, Indian Hill area, which is a wealthy neighborhood here in Cincinnati. And I won almost every one of them. I think I won every one of them, except there was one case in which my client, who was a very experienced realtor, uh, put together her own uh, evidence. And she presented her case. And that was, we still won a reduction, but we didn't get as much. And that was one of the most poorly received cases I had because, and that was a very unique property. It was a contemporary house. Um, it was uh, on some interesting acreage. And then the question becomes, uh, you know, how do you value that? And, and, and candidly, if we had hired an appraiser in that case, we would have done much better than uh, how we fared with just the property owner putting the evidence together. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that, that, that begs another question about the market. There are entire neighborhoods it, throughout the country, but I, can, I could name them for you in Cincinnati, where there really are no comparable sales that weren't foreclosures, short sales, distressed sales of some sort. I mean, literally zero after-repaired type consumer to consumer sales what would you suggest in a case like that right well for example we heard that in florida for years that there was entire communities that did not have anything other than foreclosures and short sales and reo sales for years and so that's a valuation challenge how does the appraiser or a property owner argue the value in any context but before the border revision or the tax valuation professionals and the answer is um, you have to cast a wider net on time. So you might look further from the tax lien date for sales. Uh, geography, you might go further away to different neighborhoods um, or dissimilarity. You might have to look at larger properties than you otherwise would like to or smaller properties than you otherwise would like to to come up with a real comparison because you still have to have data. Even though the data is hard to come by, um, you're not going to win your case if you don't present data. But what we find is if you cast a wider net uh, eventually you will be able to find the evidence that you need to prove that case. Mm-hmm. How strong an argument is it to go in and say, okay, but see, I just paid $13,000 for it, thus it is worth $13,000? Well, you, you want to say it's worth less than what you paid for it? No, no, no. We, we very often are seeing properties that, because they have been in the foreclosure system for three years, are still evaluated at 65000 or 85000 and literally, we're paying thirteen for them. I, am I am I going to am I going to appeal paying, appeal that down to thirteen? Are you paying thirteen to the sheriff's sale? Uh, thirteen through a through a listing in MLS. Well, under Ohio law, and I think most jurisdictions are going to approach it this way. If you have an arm's length sale, so it's freely negotiated, it's been exposed to the market in the MLS. That valuation is the value. That's a very solid case just with the sale information. You don't really have to prove any other. Uh, component of that. So that's a fantastic uh, case standing on its own. Hmm. Very interesting. Now we have some more listener questions here. Um, This one is from Don in Toledo. He says, 
okay, that's fine for single-family homes, but what are the challenges involved in appealing a tax valuation on a commercial-type property? I have some apartment buildings, and I also have some small strip centers. What sort of evidence would I need? Is this definitely a job for an appraiser? Um, the, the short answer is, yeah, you'd probably want to get an appraiser involved in that challenge. Um, you're going to be a lot better off, uh, particularly if there's significant dollars, because what that requires, I, I wouldn't say requires, but the stronger method to prove the value of that is what they call the income approach. Uh, and they basically look at the net income. Uh, and it's not necessarily actual. They, they want you to look at what market would be if it was an average property, properly managed. What would its performance be? But um, you look at market for income, you look at market for expenses, uh, and you look at market for a cap capitalization rate to develop a uh, opinion of the value of that property. And you look at market vacancy rates, for example. And and so it, it becomes a fairly technical, it quickly becomes a fairly technical analysis that's very difficult for an individual to argue themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 now you better be pretty sure that you're going to get a significant reduction because those commercial appraisers appraisals can uh, can be significantly expensive. As anyone who has ever bothered, yeah. To get well, one. Gonna, if you if you you, you can go anywhere from fifteen hundred to really seventy five hundred dollars, depending on the size and complexity of the assignment. I mean, you can go much much higher than that if you want to, but. Um, we generally don't pay much more than five thousand or seventy-five hundred dollars, even for the most sophisticated appraisals. Um, and you have to be able to justify that with the amount of the reduction you're going to get. I mean, there's a real hard dollars and cents analysis when you get into commercial properties because they are a little bit more expensive to present. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, um, a question that only a real life real estate listener would ever ask you, and this one is from JC in Las Vegas, who's a frequent listener and complex question answerer. He says, please ask Chris, if I am the secured lender in a deal collecting an escrow for and paying the taxes on a given property, is there any way that I could appeal the assessment directly or through an attorney, or is it always going to be necessary for the borrower to initiate it? Well, in Ohio, only the property owner can actually bring a complaint. I think it would be possible to contractually allow that owner to agree to have someone else bring it, but the property owner has to be the one bringing the complaint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, private lenders out there, people who invested their own money in properties and are uh, somewhere in the process of taking them back, which in Ohio can take a year, who are probably sitting there making the tax payments to keep the lien from being auctioned and wondering why they're paying so much in taxes every month. But yeah, you know, the, 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 what happens is the lender ends up having, having as much at risk or more than the property owner, and he wants to get those taxes reduced right away. And um, if you can get a cooperative property owner who will let you do that valuation appeal right away, that's wonderful. If not, you have to wait until you get control of the property back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Uh, one final break here in the show and one final chance for listeners to ask questions about getting your property taxes legally reduced. Seven seven two nine six five eight in the greater Cincinnati area. 877-772-9658 outside of greater Cincinnati. Or send us an email by going to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. 
I'm your host, Fina Jones-Cox, talking today to Chris Finney, who is an attorney uh, here in the greater Cincinnati area with Finney, Stagnero, Saba, and Patterson, and uh, has a lot of experience doing tax these tax reduction hearings that, that are here in the uh, greater Cincinnati area. Uh, Chris, a couple of things we probably need to make sure we mention before the end of the show. Number one, in most places, there are time frames for this. You can't just go in at your leisure and file this objection. There's only certain times of the year where that's allowed. That's right. In Ohio, the deadline, the hard deadline, is usually March the 31st. And this year, because that falls on a Saturday, it's April the 2nd. And the formal complaint properly filled out has to be in the auditor's office by that date, not postmarked, but it has to be in the auditor's office by that date. Um, it, that's the earliest deadline we've found in the country. In, in Pennsylvania, I believe it ran as late as August, September uh, in some counties, and it differed by county. In Florida, I believe it's that same time frame. In Kentucky, it's around May. So each state is different, but um, March the 31st is the earliest one, which is Ohio, that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. But it's almost always the beginning of the year, listeners. So don't just tuck this into the back of your brain and think about it again in August. Like, go do something about it if it's it's time to appeal your taxes. Um, The other thing, Chris, is that um, there's a, there's a, there's a, surprise bonus to this in many cases, which is that uh, in in places that pay their taxes in arrears, which is all of Ohio as far as I know, and in many other states, when you pay your tax bill in January, you're actually paying the prior year's tax bill. If you succeed in getting your valuation lowered, many times you don't just get to not pay such a high bill next time. You get money. You get You get like a check in the mail later. That's right. In Ohio, you get a refund and then a permanent or at least a three-year reduction in your taxes going forward. Mm-hmm. And that's always uh, that's always a nice. I, I I love winning the winning the uh, cases, but then I kind of forget about them, and then come around August, envelopes start coming in with money in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's it is it's the most fun part of the practice that I have because September October I have a lot of very happy clients calling me and. Uh, uh, you know, saying how much that how happy they are that they got a refund in the mail. Mm-hmm. And let me just tell you, Vina, one other thing that I want your listeners to know about. Um, in Ohio, in particular, and this is probably true in other states, what, it, we have one instance of what I call free money. You've got people who are very dynamic in the marketplace, buying and selling. If you buy a property, in the, in this case, it's after August fifteenth of two thousand and eleven, and it's in an amount less than the auditor's valuation, or really at any time. If you, but the auditor will not have picked up sales in Ohio after mid-August, mid-September of 11. If you buy a property in an amount less than the auditor's valuation, it's simply a matter of filling out the form. And in many cases, not all, but in many cases, you don't even have to go to a hearing. And um, um, you will... Um, uh, get a check back in the mail. And, and people who don't do this are just walking away from money. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. If you file properly, you file by the deadline, um, you get a refund check from the auditor. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Now, uh, we just have like about five minutes left in the show here at this point, Chris. So I'd like you to uh, sort of summarize 
the biggest mistakes you see property owners making when they walk into these hearings that are going to that are going to cause them to have their reassessment turned down uh, and or, you know, just making the court angry? Um, the, 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 you yeah, know, several things. First of all, people go in and they want to yell at the auditor, attack him or say he's uh, not reasonable or you know, doesn't know what he's doing. It doesn't help your case to do that. The second thing is that they compare their value to the valuation that the auditor has placed on other properties in their neighborhood or on their street. That is utterly in, inadmissible as evidence. It doesn't help your case at all. Um, you need to look at comparable sales, not what the auditor has placed a value on other people's property. And the third th- mistake that people make is that they look at the valuation of their property. And they may say, hey, mine went up 10% from last cycle, and I know my value didn't go up 10%. Well, that's not the question. The question is, what is your property worth today? And um, that is the uh, only thing that the boards of revision look at. So those are the three most common mistakes that people make. If you do your homework and you look at comparable sales, you present your case respectfully, uh, people will be surprised at how well they'll do on these uh, valuation reduction cases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, well worth doing with property taxes climbing, uh, property tax rates climbing. And uh, I, you know, I think I think Chris that a lot of times people are not even completely aware of what their valuation even is they know you know they get the tax bills but my god by goodness it's they're 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 written in ancient egyptian or something there's so many you know (laughs) a lot of times in in warren county which is one county north of hamilton county where we are here in cincinnati they don't even put the actual valuation on the tax bill they put a number that's 35 percent of the valuation so everybody gets their bill they think oh my gosh the auditor is significantly undervalued my property i'm not going to bring um, this to his attention this is great (laughs) Yeah, but it's really not it, it's really not um, uh, correct and so the, you know you have to educate yourself about your tax bill and how that works mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and a good thing to do of course is to go online because in many 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 places around the country particularly in metropolitan areas now uh, all the information about your property including the tax valuation and a lot of things you might not a lot of other things you might not want people to be able to just look up online, but they can, uh, are just available at your at your county treasurer's site or your county's recorder's site or your county auditor's website. So uh, that might be worth taking a look at tonight because you might get surprised uh, because, uh, as, as you mentioned, you said Warren County doesn't even put it on the bill. Um, in, in Hamilton County, as you look at the auditor's site, uh, they also have that 35% uh, evaluation which is what they charge things on and if you if you're not looking carefully at it it's easy to say oh that's awesome my house is worth 100 and they, they think it's worth 35 i'm not going to say a word um so so taking a look at that and of course if you still can't figure it out you know call an attorney call a real estate agent call somebody who might be able to find that for you because uh um chris as you said the the tax savings can be significant and they can be significant even on houses that are less expensive, uh, tax, tax rates uh, in some of our major met- metropolitan areas have gotten so high as a, as as compared to the values of the properties that even on a, a lower price rental property, you could be talking about saving hundreds of dollars a year for years until <laughs> until they're reevaluated again. 
Right. That's the that's the neat thing. The, you, know, you point out the refund you get. You get the joy of getting that check in the mail. But the really neat thing to me of the property tax valuation business is it's real money and it repeats year after year if you do your case right. Mm-hmm. All right. Very true. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today, Chris Finney, here in the Cincinnati area. Uh, he is uh, an attorney with Finney, Stagnero, Saba, and Patterson here in Cincinnati. Many, many years of uh, doing many, many different kinds of properties in terms of their tax valuations. So, uh, you know, listeners, take a lesson. It's that time of year. Go out and see if you can appeal your taxes. And if so, uh, if you can do it without, with or without an attorney. And uh, if, if you need an attorney, go get one. So uh, appreciate your time tonight, Chris. Uh, we will... Uh, be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.